Thank you for downloading Fearless in Devotion, a podcast all about Wrexham AFC. Here they come, our mighty champions, raise your voices to the anthem, marching light, our mighty army, Wrexham is the name. Choice on all to fearless in devotion with me, Rhys, Tim, Andy, and Liam. We're recording this after a phenomenal comeback against Boreham Wood. Tim, what do you make of that? Wild. I was at work and at half time I was like, oh yeah, I'm glad I didn't take the day off. <laughs> and then um my my notifications were pinging through slowly. So I, I just thought, <laughs> oh great, we we we've snatched a draw. And then it only kind of dawned on me we'd nicked one. So um yeah, ridiculous. Um Absolutely great team showing a lot of great, good character to sort of come back. And um, the only slight issue is obviously making life difficult for themselves to begin with. And you know, we may get found out with the teams above us. Um, if we do manage to sneak a playoff place, that's the only only drawback. But yeah, you can't you can't argue with um with the changes Keats made at key moments in the game and it, and it's come off. And um, it just goes back to what you've saying before is that everybody in that squad. Is pulling in the same direction, even the ones on on the sort of periphery. Really, they're coming in and, and they're making an impact. Same with uh, with Jarvis and Ponticelli. So happy days. Potentially both those start on on Tuesday. I, I think Ponticelli should start on Tuesday. Um, I also think this should be the benchmark. This should show Keats and the management team that making bold decisions like this at key times works. Um, we've often said that you know Keats can be a bit, he can be a bit reluctant to use his subs. But I, it was the right substitutions at the right time. They played an expansive game. Jarvis was, you know, I, I thought that was coming of age, a coming of age sort of performance is probably a bit too much. But he, he really shined when he was, you know, told go and save the game for us. He did. He was free on the left all the time. I thought Ponticelli led the line superbly. I think he offers more than gold at the moment. Um, just it's like it's like you know when we used to watch Wrexham in, in the league and you would go away from home you'd go go be go behind and then you still think that we could win it and yesterday I thought yes we can still win this and it's been a while since Wrexham have been two 0 behind and I thought that yeah got to enjoy that kind of comeback when it happens haven't you Liam yeah I mean sort of the first half was just absolutely dreadful we were hesitant sort of second to every ball. Um, just absolutely dreadful. So I was slumped on the sofa, feeling pretty uh, pretty downbeat at halftime. But then what a turnaround second half. Um, absolutely loved Jordan Ponticelli's goal. The neck muscles behind that header were absolutely incredible. Um, and also Reese Hall-Johnson's goal as well. He just ever put everything into getting to that header. Um, so I was really happy by the end of it. Might have upset my son by throwing him up in the air, but um, <laughs> hey, it's all worth it, isn't it? Oh yeah, I was going absolutely mad. I was I was in work and I was watching it um, out of the corner of my eye, more my whole eye in the last sort of twenty minutes or so, and uh, I was running around the newsroom. It was absolutely crazy. What a result! Um, I could hear Carl Roberts commentating from Cardiff <laughs> downstairs for Roger Cymru. Uh, he was going nuts as well. Uh, but yeah, great result. Um, but look, thanks for all your feedback uh, on part one of the. Andy Morell interview. What a legend. We'll play part two of that interview very soon. Andy goes into a little bit more detail about how his time as manager of Wrexham came to a close. It was quite emotional, actually, wasn't it? But um, uh, before we do... We've had another email from Chris Rogers, Tartan Red and Andy's cousin. Is that oh, right? Is yeah, it? yeah, he is, yeah. Easy cousin. Okay, good. That's a good start. Hi, guys. <laughs> Greetings from Bonnie, Scotland. Just been reading a story about Motherwell looking at bringing Louis Moult back following his release by Preston. Should we be looking at bringing him back to the Kairas? Loving the podcast, he says, although Pat and Keith might want a word with uh, Andy about his language. All the best and keep up the good work. Wait, that's the second complaint we've had about your language, Andy. I know, I know. I tell you what, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'll do a few pods where I calm it down. Okay, so uh, I... because I'm hungover at the moment, I've got I've got no sort of uh, bad language in me. But okay. yeah, let, let, let's let's have a, a couple of fallow weeks on the old square front. You can I take agree. the boy, you can take the boy out of Wrexham, but you can't. Take the <laughs> I just get too excited. <laughs> but, how, but how about that? Bringing Louis Milk back—that would be that would be one hell of a coup, wouldn't it? That would get me excited. 
<laughs> I'd be swearing after that. I mean, obviously, yeah, of course we want Louis Malt back. If he's fit, he was an absolute gem for us. Uh, he scores goals, he creates goals, he puts the fear of God into, into our positions. You know, a fully fit Louis Malt would be a massive coup. I can't really see it happening. But, you know, we've got the money to entice him, you would think. It's just, will he want to drop down all those levels at his career, which should be his prime years? I'm not so sure. While we're on the subject, Brad Walker, he's now a free agent. That's the one I'd go for out of the two, to be honest, just because I think that's the sort of midfielder we need right now. Um, I thought we really missed Jay Harris um, first half yesterday. Things sorted themselves out second half, but it's just having that deep-line midfielder who can get things going, but also break up play a little bit. Yeah, we're missing a midfielder, aren't we? We've been saying it all season, to be fair. Um, the listeners won't be able to see, but Andy's so hungover. He keeps muting himself to have these massive hacking, coughing episodes. So I think it's time to move on. <laughs> people people want to listen to the uh, second part of the Andy Morell podcast, so let's let, let's let him do that. Uh, time now for this part of the interview, where Andy goes into more detail about his uh, time as manager of Wrexham, some vets, some great highs, but also some lows too. Should we talk about when you um, when you left, Andy? It seemed like a very sort of amicable breakup, if that makes sense. <laughs> it's like Coldplay, yeah, on, yeah, on the like Gwyneth Paltrow on, on, and Chris Martin. Yeah, it, it it was because I wouldn't have had it any other way. Um, but yeah. I've, I don't know. It, it was. It's a tough one. It, it really. It hurts. It doesn't sound like you agree. Was it? Was it not? Was it not all as nice as it seemed? It was. It was me really saying that I think I've gone as far as I can go with this group, and it was. It come right after the the loss against Newport, etc., and the summer after that that we'd had a right go. We'd earned a fair bit of money with the trophy and the the playoffs and the final, etc. And we were looking to to go again. You know, I'm like, I just need a few a few changes. Um and I put a proposal together to go I'm I'm thinking that we need to get a couple out here of big names for us and and get fresh but quality fresh in to just really re- reset the mindsets because the players had got to a point where they'd tried so hard and we'd given absolutely everything and just missed out. And then they're seeing in the summer that Danny Wright's going, Forrest Green, Pogba's gone. You know what I mean? Our decent players are going and we we can't keep hold of them and we're bringing in players that that can't lace their boots and budget we thought I'd get I thought I'd get more on the budget because of the money that we'd earned and and it wasn't it was cut and that just the mindset of the player was just destroyed off the back of that they just they couldn't see it they couldn't understand it they couldn't get their head around it that we'd done so well the year before and we're having we're not having as much money next year what what's going on do you know what I mean why why aren't we having another go at it and so yeah I put this thing together and it might have even been after the start of the season where I said, right, I need to get, I need to cut. We need a big change now. We need to go really because the mind, the, the, the focus and the mindsets of the lads was just, it, it wasn't the same as it had been the previous two or three years. And we needed fresh impetus in there. Um, and yeah, it was sort of just left a little bit hanging and it was Christmas time and nothing really happened. And then I'm out of contract as well at the end of the season and we're getting through, we're in February and stuff, and players are starting to go to me, well, what about contracts for next season or whatever, what's happening? I'm like, well, I I can't tell you because I don't know what's happening with me. Um, And, yeah, I Did the relationship break down a bit? Does it sound a bit like you kind of said, we need more money, and they just said no? Was that that the end of it? Well, yeah, it just did, yeah, it just, we haven't got the money to do it, you know, we can't do it, and it was just, I, I was like, well, we've got, a team that it doesn't believe in itself anymore. It doesn't believe in the club anymore. Really. I didn't feel that they were fully in it. And we have had that for so long. We, 
and we we weren't as competitive as we had been. You know what I mean? The players that we brought in weren't as good as the ones that had gone out, and players that were there could see that. Do you know what I mean? It was blatantly obvious. Um, and so, yeah, it ended up coming to a, a bit of a head with a two or two months to go on my contract. I'm like, what's happening? And you know, the chief exec and that said, right, well, I'll, I'll speak to the players. Do you know what I mean? And and tell them what what's going on. And we end up having a a meeting at Collier's and they were like, you know, don't worry about Andy's contract's got nothing, you know, to do with, with you. We'll get round to contracts eventually. And and I think it might've even been Bish that said something about, you know, what's happening with Andy? Cause you know, some of us are here because of him and, you know, we want him to stay. Why would we be interested in signing new contracts? We don't know who the manager's going to be, et cetera. And it, I just, after the meeting, I went into the back office and I just thought I'd, I'd been a little bit hung out to dry a little bit and you know they've seen from the chief exec that I'm not necessarily getting a contract here and they're like looking at their leader supposed leader that he doesn't even know what's going on so what how do we know and it just it just left me in a bit of a an untenable situation listen results weren't great we weren't we weren't very good do you know what I mean we, we were up and down we were having different results and then I think it might have even been Braintree at home. I think we got beat one 0 by Braintree, and I just, I just felt that I, that was me done. Really, I just, I couldn't. With being left in the lurch so much, I just, yeah, I've, I've got to make a decision here whether I see it out, but then I'm not going to get a contract at the end of the year potentially, and I can't plan, I can't do anything, or I make the decision sort of for that, and I think. Maybe that was part of it. They wanted me to make it. They didn't want to be seen to be second manager who had gotten to Wembley, etc., and got 98 points and all that. So I don't know if there was a bit of that in it as well. Like they deliberately so undermined you, kind of thing. Yeah, to, and then it's my and but you know he decided to go. Do you know what I mean? And if you see the, if a few of the interviews, you know he's made the decision to, to leave and all that. And it, yeah, I did, but I didn't really have a choice in my opinion. That might be different coming from the chief exec side or whatever, but that's the way I saw it. And definitely the players saw it. Um, but yeah, one of the most emotional days that I've, I've had in football was the lad, the lads knew, you know, I, I got them upstairs. I'd left. I'd agreed that I was going to go. I'd got my, uh, all the stuff sorted on the Sunday, but I said, I just, I just want to say bye to the lads. Will you let me do that on Monday morning? And they, they did. And, I came in and I was just in my jeans and a t-shirt and um, they were all up in the, the dining room up at Collier's and I, I've gone into the room um, and they knew because I wasn't in my training gear. I was always in my training gear. I didn't wear anything else and they knew something was going on. Like, and that was really hard, really hard. I was, yeah, I was choking up and I was like, I just didn't want to leave, but I just knew it, it, it just ran its course really. I'm so emotional now. Yeah, yeah, and I just, uh, I just went round the group um, and said, "Just thanks for your efforts," because they'd been brilliant. You know, they'd took on a manager who had no experience. They'd given me a chance. They'd let me be in their changing rooms. They'd let me, do you know what I mean, where a manager wouldn't normally be, and they'd just fully right behind me as a first-time person that didn't really know what he was doing to to get into Wembley a couple of times and etc. And it just. They were they were absolutely excellent. I couldn't fault any of them for their for their efforts and stuff. And then I got around all the tables, and the last table was was Keatsy, Bish, Jay Harris. Do you know what I mean? The big hitters that I would call my mates when I was playing, and and that was me done. Then that was me over the edge, like they me just done. sent me, and I just had to just uh, yeah, I just had to clear out and go and get out of there. And yeah, I, it was just I, yeah one of those things you know I, I still love the place I go back now doing the commentary and uh, I just love the people there I really enjoy the commentary side of it I still get to see Keatsy who's a mate and and see what he's going through and I feel for him do you know what I mean because it's been he's had a rougher time than I've had you know definitely off the pitch and and, and on it it's been a really tough time for him but um, he's done unbelievably well Well, listen, Andy, I'm not sure how familiar you are with the podcast, but each week we ask our guest for their most fearless in devotion, Wrexham moment. Basically, the moment that kind of filled you with the most passion when you're playing for the Reds. Now, you've actually already made an appearance in this feature because Mark Crichton um, picked your goal against Brighton, I think, uh, as sort of right. his moment. 
so you can't pick that one. So I'm putting you on the spot now. Is there is there another moment that comes to mind out of both of your spells? Um, blimey, I have to I, probably the the proudest moment of my my time at Wrexham was was walking out at, at Wrexham FA Trophy first time it had been for been Wrexham had been to to Wembley and I just a, such a proud moment to to one be in charge of a group of players that had managed to get to a final. Two, obviously, I picked myself first name on the team sheet, so I was playing at Wembley. And uh, you know, and three, the way that the final was, and how the fans had dug themselves out of you know forty foot of snow to get there and stuff. It was just the whole thing. It was just made me so proud of of leading and and such a privileged position to lead such a a brilliant football club with with great fans out uh, on one of their most famous days. You know, it will sit with me for a long, long time. I'd just like to thank you for that day, to be honest, because, yeah. you know, I went down there with my mate Chris. There was eight or nine of us. And at the end, when we'd won, I'd looked at Chris. He looked at me. Well, I, I won't say there was tears in my eyes, but there definitely wasn't Chris, the big crybaby. But to be <laughs> honest, you know, it was just, we'd suffered quite a lot. We'd been down to, you know, we'd been down to, to non-league more than, you know, for, for longer than we ever thought we would be. But this was respite. This was this was something to be proud of our of our sort of our club, but also our town again. And to take that many people down to enjoy a great a great match, which was full of drama, and then to ultimately win. We'd like to thank you and the players for that. No, that's 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 class, and and we were proper buzzing as well, you know, because we had played so well as well. Mm. We we really did deserve to win the game and. Going to penalties, I'm like, oh my, we've just we've missed a trick here because it always comes back that the team that play well they don't win on penalties because of some reason. That's what I, just I remember- felt. I'll tell you that <laughs> I did not think we were going to win at all. I had already given yeah. up. <laughs> well, I had my my worst moment in football was was knocking on Joe Clark's door to tell him that he wasn't going to be starting in the in the final, and uh, I felt sick as a dog, and it was the, the worst moment, the worst thing to say because I just knocked on his door, went in, and he knew. He knew straight away when he seen me and he just went, F off, gaff. <laughs> and I was like, I, yeah, just went, no, don't, no, don't. And I'm like, listen, I can't. I'm going to go with Kev Thornton. I just think he's a, a big game player and I've just got a feeling that he's going to do all right or whatever. And yeah, it was just horrible. It made me sick. Really did make me feel sick. And, you know, you don't want to be doing that to, to people that I'm, you know, I was part of the thing that brought Joey into the club and he was playing for nothing and all that. And you just think this is what a story it is. And it's just the worst ever thing that I've, I've had to do in, in football. But um, you, you have to make these decisions and go with it. But um, yeah, going into the pens, I just remember, um, I just went, who wants one then? And Westy went, yeah, I'll have one. And Johnny <laughs> went, yeah, I'll have one. And I'm like, Westy, are you sure? Like, He's like, <laughs> he, he went, yeah. He said, you think I'm coming to Wembley and not taking a pen? <laughs> You're having him. Like, I'm having one. And I just, I felt, I thought about it the night before and I just thought, if we're going to have, if it is going to go to pens, then pick the lads that are experienced. You know, pick the ones that have been there and done it a little bit, just purely because if it doesn't go well for them, they've had their career, if you like, they're not starting off and it couldn't just ruin somebody, young kid's career, like, um, and I just thought if somebody says they'll have one, I'll go with that. <clears throat> and it just worked out perfectly. All the pens went the same way. All mm. the pens the keeper dived the other way. And I just remember Maxi coming to me as well before the kit. And he went, I'll save Brody's, no problem. No problem. I'm saving still, it. He's still said, in space. It's still in <laughs> yeah. You'd have to be on the International yeah. Space Station to get near that one. <laughs> but he just said, he just said he always goes, always goes that side. So I'm going, I'm going early and I'll save it. Gaff, don't worry. And he didn't have to because he, he blazed it, didn't he? But um, yeah, but I, I thought I, that I, keeper was wonderful that day, and I thought yeah. he's gonna he's gonna cement it with an unbelievable penalty shootout mm. save or whatever. But mm. as soon as, as soon be as quite you... a decent two nights party. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as Westy scored, as soon as Westy scored, I knew we were going to win it. His, his celebration told me there's something happening here. Because he was buzzing when he scored. Yeah, he was that was buzzing. Uh, yeah, he was like, yeah. getting <laughs> And I just, I just thought, I just thought, I think this is ours because I, I think I was doing some stuff for the club and I was sat next to Garen Parry. 
And he, I'm, I'm, I've never known a man be so tense in my life. He was rigid. He was like, it looked a guy, he was <laughs> stiff as a board. Like, yeah. you know, his glasses are steamed up and everything. It was, it was amazing. <laughs> um, but and, I, and when we won it, I mean, me and it, he started crying a bit. And he's quite cold as ice guy, but he started crying yeah. and hugged him. It was just, I'll just echo what Andy said, and I'm sure everybody listening will, will, will agree. It was definitely without one of the, one of the best days of my life, not just from a football point of view, but everything that's around it. You, you mentioned the weather and people digging themselves out, the spectacle, the occasion. I think I think Adidas documented it, didn't they, with the pictures that day that's as right. well? Yeah, it was brilliant. It was just it was just brilliant. It was just amazing from 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 the get go, and 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 you, you were justified with with putting Kev Thornton in because he was cold as ice without penalty in in the yeah. normal time. Yeah, that's why I think it meant so much to us as as players, especially management team, was people like Geraint who are massive unsung heroes at the football club that you don't see who are tirelessly, you know, I think he probably has an hour a day away from the place. He's just there all the time and has got it running through his veins. And you just think, I'm so pleased that we were able to give somebody like that a day to remember for the rest of their lives. And it it probably just suggests to him that it's, it's all worth it. Do you know what I mean? That all the hours that I do, it's in that one moment has probably made it all worth it over the 30 years that he's done or whatever. Mm. Yeah. I'm going to bring the mood right back down now. Let's talk about the next Wembley trip, shall we? Oh, no. bloody no. <laughs> <laughs> Still, you talk about, one one. Of the, talk about the best days of our lives. That's absolutely one of the worst <laughs> days of my life. Uh, yeah. I mean, you, you must have been sick as a dog. I, yeah, I, and I still feel sick as a dog whenever it gets <laughs> brought up. I did a thing with um, with Justin Edinburgh um, a couple of, well, it must have been a couple of years ago um, of our days you know the days that he was leading up and the day ours were leading up and the, the, how it ended up and stuff I don't know why we did it um it was because I don't know if Rexham got to I, don't, I can't remember anyway the, the story of him coming getting there and they knew what our game plan would be and we knew what their game plan was be and I just even when I was doing the interview I was just like don't so close do you know what I mean it was just oh it's just I'm so annoying and I've got so I the one thing that I keep going, I, sh- I should have played Dealey instead of me. And I know that's really random. And it just, I don't know why. I just, we had Dealey on the bench, didn't we? Dealey had a bowler. Yeah, and, yeah. And really? Do you they, think so? I just, yeah. See, I've got a different take on that. You I, see, thought... I just think that um, they knew from we've been at Wembley before and I didn't want to change anything. I just like, let's just do it the same. We won. Why change anything? Because if I change it and we don't win, it's because I changed it. So let's just keep it exactly the same. We had really good success. We played really well. The idea was that we'd play 60 minutes, we'd get Sizz on like we did in the trophy, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and he, yeah. he would rip yeah. it up because of the big mm. pitch, etc. And that was fairly standard. But yeah, I just, I don't know. It just niggles at me that maybe I should have just thrown a little, but only because we didn't win. Do you know what I mean? I, mean, if, I if think you've been hard on yourself, mate. Yeah. But it just, maybe if I just stuck him up front, maybe it might have just changed to something a little, I don't know. But hey, this is why like why we managed and we got paid for what we did. But it was such a horrible day, horrible day. Well, Andy, Andy Gilpin is uh, Twitter's best football manager. So, Andy, you know, what, what, what would you have done? <laughs> um, well, thanks for putting me on the spot there. I mean, <laughs> All I can do is talk about Wembley in the big pitch. So when I look, uh, when I look at like the formation, and maybe I, I look at you and I look at Brett up front with Johnny Hunt up front. So you've got two quite quite veterans, and for all intents and purposes, a left back. And I thought, well, maybe if you played someone like Sizz from the start, you would got the Newport centre backs just five yards a bit further back. And maybe you would have created the space for the rest of them to play, and maybe they wouldn't be able to like maybe squeeze the play a little bit, get Christian Jolly involved, and it's more of a problem for for our defence. Mm. Which you know, like Dave Bartel is, you know, yep. he's a great defender, but he wasn't the quickest. And yep. so I, I sort of think, well, maybe maybe just that wild card should have been Sis rather than yeah. than Delhi. But yeah, again, it's a it was it would have been a change to what would got us our success right up to the to the final sort of whistle. And so mm. it I, I would have been brave, I have to say, to have made a, a change, I think, to to a, a team that was that was winning games. Do you know what I mean? And had yeah. won against Kiddy um in a brilliant 
away day performance yeah. by on, on a very tight so, pitch though yeah yeah but um yeah i agree you know i, I can you've got twists and turns that you, we could have done and changed it i just yeah they knew down to a t what our game plan would have been and maybe that is something that i should have looked at and maybe changed it mm. a little bit but i like i still go back to Kev Thornton being out and Danny Wright being out. They were huge. Danny was, you know, even that Brighton game that he was unplayable. Half a game, he tore a championship team to absolute ribbons Mm. playing on the left wing of a, he's a unit of a guy, you know, a carpenter by trade. And he absolutely tore him a new one on that side in that game and missing him, getting injured in that second half and missing him. Mm. And I think it was a, it was a, was it Braintree at home that he did his elbow? I think it yeah. was. And oh yeah, I, forgot I shouldn't have bloody. I shouldn't have played him, but I thought no, we'll, we'll be all right. You know, because I made a wet. couple of changes. Yeah, oh, and he just went over on his elbow yeah. and felt. I chipped the keeper actually. It was a brilliant goal. Nobody. <laughs> <had a chance. laughs> but I've gone through one on one and I've chipped dinked the keeper when he's only like four or five yards off his line. Nobody ever mentions it, but anyway, <laughs> we have to go and look that now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, look it up, everyone. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> Liam, you can see it on your internet next uh, next Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I. I Danny Wright as well was always the, I always found him the weirdest looking footballer to watch because he didn't look shoulders that comfortable. on him yeah but he's massive he didn't look that comfortable on the ball but no one can get it off him it was weird no so strong so strong and yeah technically you wouldn't put him up there in the top five or six of your club but he was just relentless strong he used to get the arm and hook and like he's just all gangle and go and like he just yeah. seemed to come out with the ball, it would hit his shins, hit his shins, hit his shins, and then hit his shins, and he'd end up with the ball the other side of him. You're like, how's that? How's that happened right there? But um, but they'll brilliant him and Spatey, you know what I mean? The three just really knew where, how to play it and had a bit of everything in it, with spice and guile and power, I suppose. Let's not forget that Danny Wright was the kid at kindergarten cop, by the way, if everybody can see that. Wow. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. Okay. I can see that. The hair especially he's got this season. <laughs> uh, everyone talks about how much the Brett Ormerod miss in the final haunts them. It haunts me. I mean, it must haunt him. Have you spoken to him about it? No, not really. Um, I've spoken to him since, obviously. And um, yeah, that was probably our real one opportunity to get ahead, wasn't it? Uh, it was not many chances we, at all in the game, were there, no, really? It was a bit shit, to be fair, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, was, absolutely. Was a, a bit, An anti-climax. It was two teams. Yeah, but it was just two teams, I think, end of the season that were didn't want so much to play for, didn't mm. want to get beat, um, didn't really play to their potentials or whatever. And it was just, yeah, you have it, we have it. And it just yeah, never really got, we never really got a charge up, did we, of, of steam where we could... Um, really have a go and, and we didn't create as many chances as we did in the trophy etc but yeah I just thought oh it's going to go to extra time and we'll nick it we'll go through yeah, um, yeah and just nick it somehow with, with something and with the changes that we made but yeah it just wasn't to be and like you say it just just makes me feel sick anytime I think about it because we were so so close and, and you know the previous season and etc we just I just felt that we deserved to to go up off the back of it, but yeah, not not to be. Well, we had an impassioned defence of uh, Dean Keats last week. Fowler stuck up for Keats a little bit. I, I'm assuming that's what you'd like to do as well. But I mean, he's your mate, I suppose. But could, could you try and detach it and from a totally footballing perspective, put like this season into context for us? Well, I, I just think that the play the to play the brand of football that I think Keatsy wants to play, he just hasn't got the players to do it. Mm. It's as simple as that. You need a, a Lee Fowler, a Dean Keats in your midfield that wants the ball all the time to play attractive, flowing, playing out from the back through the first football. And it, and he hasn't got one of those. You know, as good as Jay is, he's not really that. You know, Luke Young is more a bit more like Jay, you know, so there's not really, there's somebody that you'd look at that goes, just give me the ball in any situation and I'll keep it and we'll just keep passing and we'll just move the ball around the pitch and we'll play out through no problems. And I think that's the issue with it is that he's got a group of players together. He's not been able to recruit the ones that he's wanted before the, um, 
new owners have come in. And so there's a brand of football that, yeah, it's not particularly beautiful on the eye. Um, but he's got a group now that is, is effective playing it. And they've won some games off the back of it. And they've got a real chance of getting in the playoffs and, and upsetting a few people. I think he wants to play differently, but I just don't right. think he can. Okay, that's interesting because the, the the great sort of thing against him this season especially is that he probably doesn't want to play a beautiful game, that he's quite happy playing a quite defensive, negative well, they call game. They call it ball, don't they? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. You're, you're saying that really and truly, in his heart of hearts, Dean Keats wants to play a more expansive passing game but can't do it due to the personnel he's got. I I think so. I think so. And he's had to adapt the game to to the players that he's got. And right. when you haven't got that type of midfielder, you go, right, well, I've got Kwame Thomas, who's decent in the air. Mm. I've got other strikers that can maybe feed off that. I've got Jay Harris and Luke Young, who pick up second balls for fun in a team. Why not stick it a little bit more direct and, and go from there? And yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got it's two wing backs. I'm going to go, I'm going to go three defenders because I've got three units at the back that, that can all head it out, the, out of my box and head it in at the other box. Mm. let's put that together and I come up with not beautiful football, but it's, it can be effective, especially at this level. And I certainly think that not having fans in the ground has helped them. Yeah. No, I get, I get, no, 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 I completely, I I completely agree with you because if you're sort of six, like halfway through the season and you're, you're, it's Hartlepool on a Tuesday night in a big game and you're not even mustering a shot on goal, yeah, they're getting on you. They're getting on your back. Yep. And, yeah, yeah. you know, Twitter is... But he's gone. He's He's been sacked mm. if there's fans <laughs> in the ground. I think really? as simple as that. I, I don't, do you know, I agree with the way that the fans were with him and the amount of abuse and stuff that they've had. And it become toxic. Players, yeah, and the players... If I, I was commentating... Was it Wealdstone that we were one nil down at half time, and yeah. we ended up winning four or something like that? Mm, yeah. Um, was it Wealdstone or somebody else? Yeah, we, it no, was, no, it was, was Wealdstone. Yeah. The environment would have been horrible. You're expected mm. to beat Wealdstone by six. Simple as that by Wrexham fans, and mm. it would have been that bad that players would have potentially gone under. You know, the the board would have seen the fans and the way that they felt. They'd have been absolutely, to- it, like you said, toxic. It would have been. And I think it would have given the the board uh, no a, de- a decision to make. Do you know what I mean? But the players were able to regroup. He was he was able to get them to win the game comfortably after that. But not just that, the group that he's got now have been given time to get to know each other. You know, Kwame and Dior. You don't get that time when Dior's coming in at a time when they're not doing great, and you don't get that opportunity to have six games because the manager's gone because of the way that they're playing, but he's been able to have that time. And now you're seeing the, the fruits of it with, with the way that they're playing at the minute. Okay. They're not bopping it everywhere. Like maybe teams in the past have, but they're becoming clinical and they're becoming efficient at the way that they play. And yeah. I don't know. I, I, they've, they've got a chance of making the playoffs, which is something I think six, eight months ago, you might've said, mm, I'm not so sure. Mm. Going back to the the fans, then if if fan expectation for yourself for Keats, if that's up here, sky high, where is the resources that you actually have? Where do they sit on that scale? Well, I certainly think when the fans took over, and I got hauled over the coals for it. To be fair, I said in a a Bamford's because I used to go up every um, every game and tell them the team and why I'd picked it, and uh, and I mentioned at one point that. You know, we've not got a a benefactor that we can go to and go, well, can I have a striker for the last three months? It's going to cost us 40 grand. Can I can I have him? Because it might kick us over the line. We just hadn't got that. It was a board. It was a fan's own club. And I, and I remember just, I got I got the next day, I, I got either a phone call or got pulled in and I was like, you know, you don't say that. They've had that here and it went wrong and they nearly lost the ground and the club off the back of it. We don't talk like that. We don't speak like that. And I'm like, I'm just, I'm being truthful. That we haven't, I haven't got a pot to go to because there is no pot. So we've got to deal with what what we've got at the moment. And um, and yeah, the resources when the fans took over because we had the ground issue as well, didn't we? Of who owns the ground and the university yeah. and renting it and the rent, it just became an absolute nightmare. And the budget 
was decreasing each year. Not a lot, but if you're going that, or even if it's staying the same, you're going backwards, aren't you? Because of the teams that are coming into the league and you suddenly find that your budget was top six when you start, but you're maybe not even top half by the three years down the line because of Salford, Fleetwood, you know, and Forest Greens and all those coming into the league. They're just taking that mantle off you. But you look at it now, that might be a little bit different now because resources from new owners might well be right back up where where they were maybe 10 years ago. So fingers crossed that they'll be able to get the players in, whoever manages. I would love Dino to get a, a little run at it with a bit of dough because you don't often get it as a manager. And he's had two or three seasons in this league. He knows players. He, he's got good, good contacts. And so why not it him that has the money to spend rather than somebody else, you know, really random that, that comes in, doesn't know the level, brings in these players and doesn't understand what it takes to, to win a game away at Halifax, John. What, what's it, if you could speak directly then now to this, because there's plenty of them on, there's plenty of them on Red Passion all over Twitter who are just, we want him gone as soon as the opportunity comes, as soon as Robinson's in, uh, the new CEO, the first job should be getting rid of Dean. Why, tell them why you think that's a mistake. Well, just purely for what I've, what I've said. Listen, if they want to make that decision, then that's fine. And like you said, he is a mate of mine. And But I have seen what he's gone through this past year or so, where he took the club when he was there first. Do you know what I mean? He's, he's got broad shoulders for a wee man. And um, I just think that he, he has... I think he's earned a, a little bit of, of, of time. Yeah, he's, rot, he's, he's not been great at patches this year. And he'll be the first to admit that. But given the opportunity with a bit of money to bring in some decent players for this level, then I don't see any reason why. And also, who else are you going to get? Do you know what I mean? Who are you going to go to that's going to that's going to come and take this job that that knows the leagues? That you know, there'll be hundreds of applicants. I'm telling you that would want to to come and take Wrexham on, especially when they've got a bit of money. But you know, Mark Hughes. Or it's just not it's just not happening. Do you know what I mean? We've got to be realistic with what's what's going on. And I don't know, just he, because he's got the experience of this league and the level, maybe he deserves a bit of a chance. But I can completely understand that there's people watched it week in, week out on the streaming service and gone, that's just not what we want. See you later. And we'll go and get whoever in to do it. Do you know what I mean? But you've gone for Mills, who was the one who's won the league and you've You've had the up and coming manager in um, Wilkin and stuff. It's, you know, it, where do you go now? What do you, what do you go? Do you young, hungry one? You've had him, but he left straight away. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it's, you know, they have done well though, haven't they? Rexton with the, the ones that Keatsy had it went on into the league. You know, yeah. Sam, Sam went on and up into the league. You know, you've picked all right managers. It's just that the finances behind the club, you, you weren't able to be able to keep them because yeah. they're desperate to go and manage in the league. And if you get that opportunity, you get on that little roundabout that you're on in the league and you seem, tend to get another couple of jobs around it, despite how well you do. Mm. I mean, I do wonder if we as a podcast, maybe a fan base are starting to come around again and sort of just think, well, maybe Keats should be given a chance. Because if you'd have talked to us two or three months ago, I think we would have been probably in unison to say, well, maybe we should, we should look somewhere else. But and I, and I wonder if it's results, and I wonder if it's talking to football people on this podcast that may make us think some think a bit different, and maybe think that that we should try at least next season to give Keith yeah. some money and see what he mm. can do. I don't want any, what everyone else thinks. Reese, what do you think? My uh, viewpoint of the season has been: if he gets promoted, if he gets us promoted, he stayed. I've seen some people which I just think is mental as the Wrexham fan saying, I hope we don't get promoted this year because then we'll keep Keats. Your priorities are totally, absolutely <laughs> mental if that's your attitude. Yeah. And and secondly, the other one was, oh, even if he gets us up, great, then bye-bye. I was like, you can't, how can you get rid of a manager who's just got you promoted? Yeah. Something that how many managers have failed to do with us now? It would be, yeah, yeah, it would yeah, be crazy. Yeah. Um, my, my view is, if we sort of whimper out of the playoffs, then I think there's a decision to make. It, it, you know, it's... It, 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 
if someone's available that the CEO thinks that is a good pick, then as a decision. But if we make if we lose in the playoff final, I think it would be dead harsh getting rid of Keats. Mm. Tim, you're on mute, Tim. You're on. <laughs> That's the best he sounded. I know, yeah. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> <laughs> it's because somebody's got a cat. I don't know he's got a cat with a bell on it. It's pissing my dog right off. <laughs> how can you? How can your dog hear a bell on a fucking tune and think it's a? And no, oh, that's a cat. Is there a cat? Just no one's got a cat. I, Andy, I've got, Andy, I have a cat, but it doesn't. Sorry, have a yeah. <laughs> anyway, as I was saying, we've not had the continuity of a playing squad. We always seem to come in with a big brush. We sweep loads of players out and we get a load of players in. However, do you need the continuity on the managerial front? Probably. Probably, if you think about it now, the structure's there, the infrastructure's going to get bigger. He's going to be the focal point for that. You build your team around Jordan, Rob Layton, et cetera, and you, you've still got that spine. And what Andy said before, if he gets the players that he wants in the middle of the park and then you go out and try and find somebody who's going to get you 15, 20 goals, then maybe he has earned the crack to, to sort of give it a whirl with some money. And then if it doesn't work out then, then we've exhausted every option, haven't we? So I think in, I think the Oval game shows that when we get going, they can sing to, to Dean's tune because that was as good as it gets. As bad as Yeovil were, Wrexham were fantastic on Saturday. They were awful. But but we've got our our main striker. How good would we have been with Kwame rather than Gold? Do you know what I mean? I think, you know, he's been a huge loss and we're still still getting on. You know, we're not doing too bad. But I I also think that you, you know, as a a fan, you want somebody that lives and breathes your football club. Absolutely, yeah. Certainly, Keatsy is the epitome of Wrexham. You know, you, you don't play on with a broken collarbone or whatever he had if you aren't fully in it for the cause you know what I mean and that type of attitude I think he takes into his management and you know what do you look for when you do take on a manager maybe a little link to the club or a past player or whatever and he's got that and he's got some experience football league management he's you know he's come through tough times he's been relatively successful with the groups that he's had to a point where he's pushed playoffs etc so he certainly ticks a lot of boxes um, I don't know. I don't know. But he is a mate, so listen. You can <laughs> shout me down as much as you want, like. Right. Just, just one last thing on Keats. Sorry. Just tell me what he's like as a man. What is he like with like going to get a player? Is he sort of very persuasive? Do people think, yeah, I want to pay play for you? Yeah, I think he's. I think he's a bit um, hardball. You know, he, he goes and if you want to come and play for a, a brilliant, brilliant club, it's pretty much the way I went about it was mm. come and look, just come and have a, just come down and look at the training ground. I had that. Unfortunately, I haven't got that to, to as a sell uh, now, yeah, yeah. but um, it was like, all I need to do is for you to get in a car and come down and you'll take 100, 150 quid less than somebody else is offering you just purely because of where you're training and playing. And I remember it with Dozer, and I know it's not worked out with Dozer a couple of times, but his face when I took him round the ground and the training ground is was was a picture and he just couldn't wait to get to get signed on. Do you know what I mean? And it sold itself really. I just needed to get them there. The problem was that my offer was so far off other offers yeah, <laughs> from other yeah, clubs. Yeah. You I needed someone get them in to the take car. that step. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I needed I needed to drive and pick them up and bring them over. <laughs> <laughs> Time now for our Mighty Heroes, where we pick the best Wrexham 11 of our lifetimes. Last week, we picked the first of our three attackers, which ended up being Carl Connolly. Another striker today, uh, Tim, you're up first. Um, so you've got 60 seconds to make a case. Um, three, two, one, go. So an open and shut case, Gary Bennett. Basically, he turned down a one-year contract to stay at Chester. Brian Flynn stepped in basically swooped for him in what turned, would turn out to be one of Wrexham's best ever free signings or the best ever free signings ahead of the 92-93 season he hit 16 in that promotion season forming a deadly strike partnership with Wrexham born Steve Watkin over the next few seasons he scored 39 and 47 times respectively as Psycho etched his name in Red's history as a bona fide goal scoring legend 
basically, he was so direct in his style of play, he chased everything down. He was just a pain in the ass to the defenders. He was good in the air, he was good on the deck, just had everything, which is ridiculous because he looked about, you know, 40, 50 at the time, but, you know, it was just brilliant. Um, we sang Chester Reject at him all the time in jest. He was just absolutely fantastic, absolute cult hero. But let's just go with the stats. Basically, 114 goals in 177 appearances. Between 92 and 95, he hit 77 league goals in 121, three FA Cup goals in seven, nine league cup goals in 17, and nine in nine in every other competition. In his second spell, he hit yeah. five in 18, not so good, but only a short period of time. Scored the goals at Northampton to promotion, scored the goals at Cardiff Farmers Park to sink the Bluebirds in the Welsh Cup 90 final, and he scored goals in everything in between. There is no argument. He was literally the best we've had in absolutely, well, decades and decades. Nothing's been- He's had about five minutes there. I actually forgot to put the stopwatch on, so I just guessed when there was 10 seconds. Definitely under a minute. Fucking well blabbed my way through it. <laughs> got me swearing now. Potty mouth. So I don't actually know how long that was, but I'm going to say it was definitely longer than a minute. But, you know, you, you made you made your case well. Before we discuss it, though, Liam, come on, you can make your second case. You've got 60 seconds. I will start the top watch, top watch this time. Three, two, one, go. Okay, so the player I've gone for this week is probably my favourite ever Wrexham player. We've heard from him on the last two pods. It's uh, Andy Morrell. Um, He's a striker who came into the professional game pretty late. By his own admission, he started off slowly at Wrexham. But when he was handed his chance by Dennis Smith, boy, did he take it. He went from scoring two goals um, in a season to scoring 34 in 45 games in the 2002-2003 season. What a season it was. He was playing alongside Lee Trundle, who I perhaps expected to be the top goal scorer, but Monrell really came into his own that season. He could score all sorts of different goals, probably not the most blessed with pace, but he could score from range, he could score tap-ins, and he could score a brilliant header as well. After he left us the first time, after helping us gain promotion, he went on to play for the likes of Coventry City and Blackpool, where he was well regarded. And they say never come back, but on his return, I thought Morel as a player was really useful as well, helping us get into the playoffs. Um, and I know we probably won't talk, we'll talk about his time as manager a bit more, but should I remind you that he went on to take us closest to promotion than any manager in our time in non-league. Very long minute again, I'd say. That was a long minute. I just realised as well, I'm on a mare today. I got... I, I, <laughs> I was telling you there's 10 seconds left and I was muted. So that's why you went over still anyway. Uh, um, and I was going time, time. And I was like, oh, I'm muted. Great. Um, Can right, I go yeah. next? Because I will be under a minute. Okay, sure, fine. You're not hungover as well. <laughs> okay, Andy, you go next then. Okay, three, two, one, go. Well, we often say that Wrexham won't go up because they don't have a 20 goal a season striker in non-league. Well, they did have one. His name is Jake Spate. Another thing we always discuss is, should we dismiss players because they played in non-league? Well, let's be clear, the Jake Spate we had would score goals for us one or even two leagues above. He was a horrible bugger, quick, strong, selfish, exactly what a striker should be. He knew where the net was and he must have been a nightmare to play against. On top of that, during the season he was with us, the threat of him made space for other players like Danny Wright to thrive, so it wasn't just goals. You wonder how Wrexham would have done if they hadn't lost key players at key times. This is a question I ask a lot with Spate. He was integral to probably the best non-league side I can remember. He's also a purveyor of debatable football players, although he he looks a hard bastard, so he wouldn't take the piss out of the array of talent that's ended up at Wrexham. We'll just concentrate on the goals. Yeah, fair enough. Spot on. Good case for Jake Spate. And as promised, eight seconds under. OK, who's going to count me in then? Give me 60 seconds. Three, two, one, go. OK, I'm going to nominate Juan Ugarte, the attacker from the Basque country. Remarkably, only played 30 games for the town, but what an impact he had. Signed late in 2004 by Dennis Smith. Uh, he may not have scored a bicycle kick on his debut, like Lee Trundle, the nomination, my nomination last week, but he did score away against Chester in the quarterfinal of the LDV Vans Trophy, and he went on to be the top scorer of that competition. That season, of course, obviously netting in the final when he nodded in Dennis Lawrence's header, what a day that was. Uh, Ugarte scored regularly during his time with us, of course. Most famously was when he put five past 
Hartlepool United in a 6-4 away win. And I only actually learned this today, but this remains the record for the most away goals scored by a single player in the English Professional League. Superb. You went on to sign for Crew Alexandra, coming back to Wrexham on loan a couple of times. As we know, his career was decimated by injuries, couldn't quite recapture his form. Uh, 16 goals in 30 games, so a very, very good return. And his career may have been cut short, but we'll always have Hartlepool, Chester and Uh, Cardiff. Not bad. Two seconds over. That's allowable. So, <laughs> do we do do we do what we always do and get rid of the conference player first? Yeah, strong field, <laughs> strong field. That it is a strong field. To be fair, I mean, Spate was good, but he does not compare to Morel or Benno. He also said dodgy players. So, um... and he also put his foot through a fucking glass coffee table and was out injured for several games. So, did he? Yeah, yeah but he, he was at home and he. I don't know what, I don't know what, uh-huh. how it came about, but he put his, I remember it, I remember it hitting the press at the time and he put his foot through a glass coffee table and um, hence he was, he was out of action for several games. Random. Bit of a rogue, um, slightly unhinged and like what Andy said, he, he, was, he was horrible to play against, but he, was, he, he wasn't a very likeable guy, to be honest. As much as he was decent with the goals, I don't ever, ever recall him being like a proper crowd fan's favourite, you know. Sorry for listening, Jake. We would we would have you back. <laughs> well, you're welcome on to set the record straight, especially about your questionable, questionable clientele as a football agent. There, yeah. um, and you, I got to be honest, like you know, Ugarte has this. Um, you know, there's a romantic mystique, notion of Ugarte, yeah. this mystique about him. I got to be honest, I, th- I when I saw 30 games, I was like, gosh, was that all it was? I, I just, more. yeah, I thought it was more than that. Um, Obviously, he was very unlucky with injuries. Uh, great finisher, just knew where the goal was. Uh, but, you know, is he in the same bracket as Morel and Benno? Probably not. No, I, I, don't, I don't think he, his all-round game was anywhere near those two. No. I mean, Morel could hold the ball up, he could bring people into play, and Benno was just a nuisance, a constant, constant nuisance. Yeah. So even if he wasn't linking up play, he was hustling defenders to such a degree that he brought other people into the game. I think it's definitely between Benno and Morel. I, I think it's a really tough choice. I would probably go Benno. So I've only seen Benno and video form, obviously, but those stats did make for incredibly impressive reading, um, didn't they? Um, he's, he's just, he's just a, he was a big game player. Like, you know, you step up to the plate and he'd be there. And he, he just had literally everything, you know. He was good good in the air, good on the deck. Fucking some of the goals he scored were ridiculous. He was just a goal poacher. Insane, like insane stats. I just remember at the time it was between him and, I want to say Bamba, Blackpool. I think it was, it was always them neck and neck in the sort of league standings that were well over like 35 goals for the season. It's just bonkers if you think, think of something like that, even getting 30 goals in this league, let alone the leagues above. Just ridiculous. Obviously, he's playing in a decent team as well. But mm. I mean, I, 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 I thought you know, Moz is a great shot as well. Very, very similar in terms of goal ratios and, and certain seasons. But I just think you know, maybe obviously Banner's got the edge in terms of just for that big game occasion. I guess um, I forget the fact he played for Chester three times. I think. Come on, Liam. What about Morel? He was one of my favourite players as well. Um, oh. I mean, my argument. I mean, I know, I know, we're, we're talking mostly about time at Raxman. Bano to me is just this mythical figure. I didn't see him, but the stats, um, the goals on YouTube, you've seen them all. But I mean, Morel did go on to play at a higher level, and I seem to recall. Did Bano go to Tranmere? In, in he went to Tranmere. Uh, yeah, sold into Tranmere for about three hundred grand, or maybe slightly more, because. I think Bennett so he wanted to test himself at a higher level because he was getting into his twilight yeah. years. But you kind of don't blame him. And given the goal return, you'd say, right, fine, farewell, cash in. Yeah. So he did. Um, but but what was he, his... actually, he, actually, he actually won, I think, I'm sure he, he helped Preston to a league title. Right, OK. About. So, yeah, I'm just interested to, to know how he did how he did it. I, I, like, I know we're talking about his time at Wrexham, but just interested to know how he did it at a, a higher level. No, I, I mean... Definitely went on as at Preston, which you kind of forget about, really. Yeah. I mean, for me, Morel, it was just, it was just the different types of goal he would score. I wouldn't say there was such a thing as a typical Andy Morel goal. I know quite a few no. of them were from close range, but he could score the spectacular. And the goal against Brighton. 
Yes, yeah. The goal against Forest Green as well, um, which I watched back the other day. Um, I think it, I don't know if that was around 2013, 2014, volleyed it. Uh, it's one of the few games he played, um, whichever season it was. Um, just spectacular. I mean, you could argue, I think you can argue a strong case for either of them, but um, I, I do struggle to argue with uh, Gary Bennett's statistics. Though. Yeah, I, 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 want to, I want to go with Morel, but then I'm not sure we can on this occasion. <laughs> there's, nothing, there's nothing stopping one of us nominating him next week, of course. It's a strong field, isn't it? It's a strong field. Yeah, as we... The, as only, we... Thing, the only other thing I'd say is uh, Connolly and Bennett were great together. So right, if okay. we've already got Conley in, you know that partnership yeah. was brilliant. I, I, I think it's I think it's Benno. That clinches it then. Sorry, Andy, it's uh, it's Benno this time. But um, who knows? He might squeeze in next week. Get another second nomination. Uh, actually, a great story about Benno as well. It's Coatsy, who Andy and Tim know. Um, yeah. Was about who I play five side football with in Swansea, Swansea boy. He went to to the Island Man on a football, oh, yeah. football on the football trips uh, uh, used to do on trial with, with uh, the town. And he, Brian Flynn, was about to offer him a contract, and uh, he, he's like 16, 17 years old, and um, he had to turn around and say, "Actually, we were going to sign you, but it's too, we've changed our minds because we can get Gary Bennett back, and there's no money left." So. <laughs> he hates Gary Bennett, so he's going to enjoy listening to this. Gary Bennett ruined my life. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Anyway, um, Gary Bennett, welcome to our Mighty Heroes. Just one left to pick next week. Okay, quickly, prediction time. Andy, what's the, what's the scores on the doors? Uh, well, everyone went for a win. Um, so no one got it bang on, but I went three one, so I was the closest. So I think I should have an extra point. <laughs> no. I don't know. Your, your, your I don't tactic know. of just predicting exactly what Liam does is so transparent. All right. <laughs> let let me go first this time then. Okay. So we all got two points. Reese, you're still on about a million points, and I think uh, I think me and Tim are now on eight, and Liam's on nil. Six. <laughs> yeah, he's on six. Two games this week, isn't it? Notts County and then Kings Lynn at home. Andy, you go first. Uh, right. Um, after that display, they're on a high. I hope they keep to the same sort of system. I hope Ponticelli starts instead of gold. I think that County are still struggling, and I think it's a 2-1 win against County. And then it's home against Kings Lynn after that, isn't it? Yeah. You, you just got to hope that's 3-1. You know, you, you want to score goals. And I think those two games will clinch the playoffs for us. The good thing about winning on on Saturday is we don't need to beat Notts County now. And I do wonder if that will be in Keats's mind a little bit. I wonder if he will keep it tight. But I hope he doesn't. And I hope he goes for the win. I'm going to say we're going to draw against Notts County. And I would bite your hand off for that right now. Because for me, that would basically solidify our spot. I think we'd need a point or maybe two points of the last two games. So I'm going to say one all against County on Tuesday night. And then Kings Lynn, I say you've got to win those games. I'm going to say that's going to be a 3-0 home win. Uh, Tim? Uh, I think there's still a sense of injustice about us losing at Noss County because we didn't deserve it, especially after that rip-roaring start we had. Right, so true. I was going to go what Andy said. I was going to go 2-1, but I'm going to go... I still think County have got a goal in them, but bollocks, I'm going to go 2-0 to Wrexham um, just because we over won. And then I think we you know, we, we need to have a clean sheet back in order. So I think Pearson and Kobe fuming at the goals they let in on Saturday. So 2-0 versus County, happy days. And then we're going to wallop Stephen Cleves' shithouse in Kings Lynn 4-0. And hopefully they'll allow Cleves to come all the way up and turn him away at the door, just what he did with Wrexham's media team. And you can sit in the car park and listen to it at the sort of swiveled-eyed Dracula idiot. <laughs> Get Mark Griffith uh, as a bouncer to stop him going in at the door. Um, all right, Liam, you're up last. We've given you every opportunity now to 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 try and climb up the table. So what are you going for? Well, I just can't believe you've nicked my prediction for the Notts County game because I was going to go one all as well. Um, so I'm still going to go for a, a draw, but I'll say it'll be a tight affair, nil-nil. Um, and then playing Count Dracula's team, 
Uh, I think we'll win probably 2-0 to Wrexham. Okay, there's all the predictions in. Big back swivel eyes, can we remove that? Because that sounds like a hate crime. <laughs> and I can't do that in my <laughs> Well, actually, I've read that I out. I just remember reading it somewhere and it made me laugh. So, well, you know. David Cameron called UKIP swivel eye, UKIP sports swivel eyed loons, didn't he? So it's good enough, David Cameron, Tim, it's good enough for you. Okay, that's it for this week. Thanks again for downloading. Uh, We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can email us at fearlessindevotion at gmail.com. And also, please make sure you follow and tweet the Twitter account, fearlessindevotion. Until next week, thanks for listening and bye. Bye bye. Cheers.